Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christianity with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always is Pastor Aaron, and we've got some familiar faces today. We have some familiar faces. One of my favorites back in the mm-hmm. in the podcast room, and his Bucks coming off a Super Bowl victory. <laughs> you know the Brady led Bucks. Oh, I know the we got Bucks. Boogie, uh, Deshaun Cousins back here. Thanks for being on again, man. It's, it's been, it's been a be, minute. No, it's good to be back, and I'm definitely not a Bucks fan, so I don't <laughs> want to take that one. Were you rooting for the Chiefs? Uh, yes. Okay. Sure. Hey. Wow. So you're not yeah. a Brady fan either. True, okay. true Patriots. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you that. You want Brady to win somewhere else? I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Supposed to be a missionary in your culture you're in, uh, Sean. Uh, yeah. You love the teams. <laughs> uh, we also have Sarah Hainer, who is just so sweet and so amiable and so wise. Huh? Lots you. of so, questions so, for Sarah today. And so patient, because we had your husband on the podcast, and I think everybody realizes mm. how patient you would need to be to put up with him. St. Sarah, <laughs> so. we call her. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. All right. So today, we've got a fun one. A topic that, you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting topic. Hope everyone listens with grace and open-mindedness and understanding. We're going to talk about does, or we're going to answer the question, I should say, does systemic racism exist and how should Christians act as a result of that answer? So I'm going to start by giving definitions I found, and then we'll see if you agree with those definitions. Okay. okay. Is that easy okay. enough, guys? Yeah. Both, both <laughs> of them were like, hey, how are you going to start this today? Don't, don't ask me <laughs> a specific question. I'm like, all right, all right. Sarah's all right, been all right. very nervous. Listen. <laughs> so. yeah. All right. So I will come with the definitions I found that other people have, have given. I, and I've done a lot of research, listened to podcasts, read articles to try to find the appropriate definitions to help our discussion so we know exactly what we're talking about. Because certain words don't always have their normal definition that you would think just looking at the dictionary. So- Defining systemic racism. First, systems and structures that have procedures or processes that disadvantage African Americans. Okay, that's one. Second definition, the formalization of a set of institutional, historical, cultural, and interpersonal practices within a society that more often than not puts one social or ethnic group in a better position to succeed and at the same time disadvantages other groups in a consistent and constant manner that disparities develop between the groups over a period of time. Okay, so, Deshaun, would you like to start or would you like ladies first? <laughs> I just have one thing to add into your first one okay. where you added had African-Americans at the end, I would just change that to just all minorities. Okay. I was thinking so just the minorities same thing. In a yeah. I didn't write the definitions. No, no, no. I'm, no, no, I'm not it. You <laughs> asked <Okay>. me something? <laughs> all right. So do you agree with thing. those or do you disagree with those definitions? That is the definition of it. Yeah, I would agree with those definitions, that, that being a definition of it. Okay. Well, I agree that's the definition of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was your question. Do you, think <laughs> that, do you think that that's how America is? Peter is quite those, I know he is. By those definitions. Do I believe that's how America is? Yes. Um, uh, so that's one thing we're probably going to flesh out more. I would not say in its totality, but I do believe that whether we call it systemic or however we may be, I do believe racism is more pervasive. 
um, or pervasive through our culture in different means or ways. And so whether that's personalized or in systems. So that's what I would say, I believe. What do you think, Sarah? I agree. I don't think our country as a whole uh, is systemically racist. Is that the correct sure. Um But I do see it in specific institutions, specifically education, schooling system. And, and Sarah is a, an educator. So for yes. those who are tuning yes. in, didn't know that. <laughs> so she's been, how long have you been in a teacher? Uh, almost 10 years. 10 years. Wow, years. Yeah. we're getting old. I know. So, it's crazy. <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think the two definitions that were presented are very different. Okay. I think the the first one is very kind of cut and dry and and to the point like systemic racism. That's how I would understand it. And people will email in and be like, do you believe in systemic racism or we should repent of systemic racism? And oftentimes I'll just write back and say, what do you mean by systemic racism? Mm -hmm. Because there's so many definitions mm -hmm. revolving around this today. And uh, people have gotten mad and been like, I can't believe you don't know what systemic racism is. But for me, I'm, I'm legitimately asking them because I want to know before I agree to something, do I agree with the statement? I want to know what it is. And so that first one, I would, I would agree that is, as I understand it, a good definition of systemic racism. And the, the second one, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with, but it becomes very ambiguous. Like when you talk about cultural and historical norms that have been put in place that disparage, it's hard I, on both sides of this argument, the conservative side, the liberal side, mm -hmm. um, the, the BLM side versus the, you know, the non-woke side. Both all the different sides admit it's very hard to like put a pin. It's like putting a pin in a cloud when you're trying to prove that the reason something is is because of cultural or historic systems that are put in place. Um, and so that that first definition I think is helpful, and I think that could exist uh, in America from what research and data shows us. The second one could exist as well, but it's going to be much more difficult to prove. Okay, so before I get into what I think about systemic racism in America. I, I do think that there are issues with the definitions. Um, and some Harvard professors commented on it and said that it describes a society that doesn't have a lot of racists, but that is overtly racist. It is a conspiracy theory with no conspirators. It's unfalsifiable and an undeniable thesis. If everyone in general, but no one in particular is to blame then the few remaining actual racists among us are left off the hook, okay? And so that's, I think, one of the overarching issues with systemic racism is no matter what you say, do, feel, think, or how you act, you're part of this systemic racism, right? So that that I have issue with, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But are there systems and structures that have procedures or processes that disadvantage minorities and the formalization of a set of institutional, historical, cultural, interpersonal practices within a society that more often than not disadvantage minorities? The answer to me is yes. I mean, I think that historically speaking, this is a, there are systems and procedures in place that disadvantage minorities. And the reason for that is in the not so distant past, they had no rights, meaning minorities, three fifths of a vote, you know, eventually getting to where we're at today, where we've tried to make it more equal, but each generation is a little bit less disadvantaged is, is how I would see it. But they're still disadvantaged in my opinion, because great, great grandfathers, if you think about they, and it's funny, my great, great grandpa wasn't even here. It was in Greece, but we'll just say a, a European American's great, great grandfather goes and tries to get a loan to buy a house. It's going to be easier than an African American trying to go get a loan to buy a house. 
they buy a house in a nicer neighborhood, they rent a, an apartment. Well, the schools are based off property taxes. So they go to a, a, the minority goes to a worse school and the white kid goes to a better school. They get a better education, better chance at college, more money than they have a kid. And the, and the process is kind of circular. So to me, you can't just throw that out and say, that doesn't exist. It's not true. Everybody's fine now. Everybody has equal opportunity now. Like Deshaun could go to the same college as I could, whatever. When you look back generations, the color of your skin did matter. And di people did look at you, treat you, give you things differently than they would somebody that was white. I definitely think that there are systems in place, and I want to get to education and some other things where it's borne out even more, that, are, that have racist results, right? And I for sure feel like there are racist results to some systems and procedures, which I think falls into this definition of systemic racism. Um, that's, that's how I feel about it. Does anybody agree or disagree? That's all you, buddy. No, it's not. <laughs> no, that's for you guys. Tell me what well. you think. Tell me what you think. Is it true or false? I mean, what do you think? And it's individualized. So, no, 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 I do no, think no, it's no, more individualized, mean, but. So as I look at just our society, our culture, as you tell me those different things, which I agree with you. And I was actually reading something and he said it was like this of thinking of doing a hundred yard dash and somebody's already starting 40 yards ahead. Sure. And so in that, there's an advantage in that, and there's things that come out because of that to the question and more of thought process of why is that today? How do we view it? Are you whether... saying that you're faster than me? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I would have, right, I would have to be faster to catch back up. <laughs> Pete would need but a 40 yard. Said... <laughs> <to Sean. laughs> I, I think I would. All right. Anyway, but, sorry. But in that, there is that reality that the past doesn't impact our present. And so we have to think through the question of our, how then do we go about that? How do we say, okay... Well, somebody had an advantage from the past now it's impacting the present. And so throughout all of that, kind of wrapping it up in my thoughts of it is, I do believe there's things that have happened that have affected us, but I still don't come to the full conclusion of this just means systemic and it's because I'm black that I'm going to be completely disadvantaged or vice versa. Or somebody's white, they're going to have more advantages in this present culture in this time. So that's just where I come down on at least that portion of it. Yeah, and th this is one of those things where I do think it can you can twist your brain up into like a pretzel because it's one of those things like, I, and I didn't think about this ahead of time, but all quarterbacks can throw or is it all people that can throw play quarterback? It's like one of those things where it's like, well, this happened to me because I'm a minority or I'm a minority because this happened to me. Like what puts you in the minority? Is it a minority because you're a woman? Is it a minority because of your race? Is it a minority because, you know, socioeconomic? Like what what uh, what gets you into these groups and, and gets to these outcomes sometimes is not as easy to pinpoint like we've been talking about. Yeah. But some some things are easier to pinpoint than others. I would say it's very clear, at least to me in our country that there is socioeconomic privilege that exists. Like, it, it, you know, if you're, if you're born into money, regardless of what race you are, there's going to be privileges that you have. If you're born middle class, you're going to have privileges over the lower class. And I've heard the arguments that a lot of minorities, because of history, are in the lower class. And bracket. that's true. And I, I get that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just think about, like, if you just think about anything, when you sure. go back to slavery, like they had kids and who had kids who had kids. So eventually you you rotated back. They did not have the same opportunity as some other people's ancestors. Right. So it's still going to I think we also one of the things I want to talk about is we have to admit that it is better than it was. Right. And we're kind of sure. moving right. in the right direction, which sometimes people don't want to admit. And they think as long as I keep saying it's so horrible, they'll try harder to make it better. When sometimes I think it has the opposite effect. It's like, oh, well, you don't you don't think we're doing anything. Why do I even need to try? One of, one of the problems I think that exists is that 
and we've talked about this on prior podcasts, me, media platforms feed us what we already like and what we already listen to. Oh, and yeah. So almost every conservative I've talked to, they don't they can't name three liberals that that are intelligent on this subject. And and the same with the liberals I talk to. They don't listen to conservative commentary on this. And so what I've tried to do over the last three weeks in preparation is listen to both sides on this. And I will say the 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 intelligent, more far left leaning, I would say, um, supporters of of systemic racism, meaning that they believe it it, it is they would admit, at least they have in what I've listened to, that things are, of course, better than they right. were. Like, they're mm -hmm. not raging against everything. They're saying that we still have a ways to go. There are still systems in place that oppress, but things are better than they were in 1968. Like, they just are better. Mm -hmm. And so I think we, we, we do see that. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. When, when we talk through this issue, I want to – and I'll talk more about this in a bit, but I want to study. I think Christians are called to study and research and know, like, what's going on in our country. I'm mostly concerned about the church and the accusations that have been mm -hmm. leveled at the church. Like I'm a pastor first. Um, I have a minority son who's adopted. Uh, so um, I have minority friends. I have a vested interest. I want justice, true justice to prevail. Um, and so all those things kind of immerse me in the conversation. But more than anything else, um, is the church guilty of this? And I know we'll get to this. That's where I'm really concerned. And so I want to listen. I want to listen to what Deshaun and Sarah have to say about education, about, uh, I think, politics, maybe on both sides, speak to this. And, and there might be systems in place on both sides. But it's, it's difficult for me not being in those fields and not having spent hours and hours and hours of my life and, and um, in education to, to determine, hey, what is and what is not. And that might be unsatisfactory to a listener, but I don't want to take a definitive position of absolutely this is or mm -hmm. it's not outside of the church. And I will take a position on that. So, I just think it is. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think anybody that takes a position that there are no systems that are racist or have, and that's the sure. thing is it's hard because of the, what we think of when we think of racist, we think more of an individual racist, like a Ku Klux Klan member, that right? Right. Right. Some okay, extreme fine. view of it. Yeah. And, and it may not be that they hate minorities and want to kill them and put them in jail, but they're still institutions that have differences and results based on race. That That's kind of the racist definition part I'm talking about. Like there are systems that have racially different results, which then in fact puts them in these definitions for systemic racism. That That's kind of where I'm going with, so if with I can, these. If I can jump in and just as, as a white man admit that when I hear these conversations come up, when I, when I listen to the discussions, um, when I have people in my office, when people get belligerent, upset, one of two things are happening. Typically, at least in my experience and from what I've seen, A, the minority or the, the white person defending the minority uses personal individual examples of racist activity to draw back to a supposed reality of systemic racism. I think they're missing the definition yes. that like the people yes. that are really educated on systemic racism, they almost don't talk about individual racists and it doesn't matter about individual racists of whether or not a system is racist. And that's one of the pushbacks is that, well, how can you have systemic racism without individual racists making the system racist? And that that's kind of the, the back and forth on it. So it's sure. the individual like somebody was racist to Deshaun does not mean they're systemic racism. Exactly. Like that's not, well, that's I mean, we saw those that, are two different conversations. Honest, we saw that happen with, with Derek Chauvin and with, and George Floyd. Sure. Where there was an assumption made that the entire Minneapolis police department was systemically racist. Mm -hmm. Now, like there was a, an institutional racism that existed there. I'm not saying it's not, but I just think drawing a line from one instance of 
a, a, a cop who perhaps was racist was certainly hateful and belligerent and, and acted inappropriately mm -hmm. and wickedly back to an entire organization that is now systemically racist. That's so that's one of the things I've seen. The other thing I've seen is the result of something. Well, so because this is true, this must be the cause of it. Because we reached, we come, came to this result. And that doesn't necessarily consider all the factors that could have brought about that result. And so that's why I say I am open. Systemic racism may exist, may, probably does exist uh, in some organizations and some structures, uh, power structures in our country. Um, but I haven't seen the proof yet because those are the only two that have been laid before me consistently in conversations and in so uh, discourse. I want to hear what Sarah has to sure, say. Yeah. But think about this for a second. Yeah. What would you need to agree and be like, okay, systemic racism? That Think about sure. that. But I want to sure. hear what Sarah has to say. Um, well, I, as you're talking, like I struggled with Jason's definition because he's like, well, it comes down to socioeconomic status with it. And so is there a correlation with the systemic racism? What would you say? Like, is there? So, yes, I definitely think there's also a socioeconomic disparity in results for a lot of the systems that we have in place. Right. I definitely think that. Right. But I do think you can take it a step further where even similar socioeconomic disadvantages are in place based on race. Based on race. So I, I do. And yeah. I think you have some experiences in that, that not personally, but right. you've seen it happen where yeah. socioeconomically the same, but they're treated differently. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the schools I worked at, it's just, you see the difference between overcrowding of classrooms, the um, tired teachers, and just, they, they don't have access to the same as let's say a North County school or a private school or charter schools. And, you know, I know Pinellas County does offer like choice programs, but those parents would have to provide then transportation for their children to get there. And that that's hard for a lot of them or they can't make it happen. And I think private schools are different. Right. That's purely, mostly purely socioeconomic. Yes. But when you talk about neighborhood difference Absolutely. or like North County versus South County or whatever, yeah. that's a lot of that has to do with the generations of you're trying to get right. to a certain point. And at some point you just can't, they can't. you know, and like, they're stuck and in, yeah. And that's big. Like to me, that's big. And in, in my world, it's so obvious. And we've talked about, it. we've done a pod, I did a podcast with my dad on it. Who's like the big criminal defense lawyer in our area. There are absolute differences when the defendant is black versus the, or a minority, but even worse with African-American, the statistics, they get worse representation they get more jail time and they get treated worse. And it's just easy. And in my opinion, and I have a lot of friends that are minorities that are prosecutors. So you would think this doesn't make sense, but they're like easier to prosecute. You know, that's, that's a system to me that's based on race. That's yeah. a disadvantage for minorities. I mean, I don't know how you say it otherwise. And I think it's, that's the stuff where the inflammation in the news, in the media is so annoying because that is how the cycle just keeps going. And how do you fight against that? You know, it's like, how, how do you fight against the fact where they're going to be like, well, he probably did it because he has dreadlocks or whatever. Right. You know, that yeah. type of stuff is true. Like that, that type of stuff is true. Like these systems are in place where it's harder based on your race and based on your culture. You know, like it, it just, that that's the case, you know? And, and that's the stuff where to me is the hard and sad stuff that I wish we could change. Now, whether or not what's actually happening in politics in the world is helping that is a, a totally different discussion. But just for the question of does it exist to me, it exists. Like, I think the more interesting discussion is what do we do as Christians? What do we do right. as the church? 
what are the steps that t- that we take after ag- acknowledging that it exists? Because while some people may be pumping their fist to what I'm saying now, my guess is they're not going to love what I have to say and and our personal reaction to it and our personal involvement in systemic racism. But one of the questions that we get as the church, which I think is the next place we should go that'll be interesting, is there's been a lot of calls for corporate, what is it? Corporate repentance. And that we should apologize for the church's racism and our country's racism and our forefathers' racism. And we are not doing our part as Christians unless we apologize for this and make amends. Yeah. Right? So what are your guys' feelings on that? Deshaun, start with you as as a pastor in the church, as a minority, do you want all of us to apologize for whatever they're asking for? For racism. Yeah. yeah. So I do not believe that all should repent, but I do believe that some should. Okay. So where that that claim could be plausible, because I do believe corporate repentance is not just some made up concept, but something that we see throughout scripture. We see it, God constantly calling the Israelites to repent for particular sins, idolatries, things along that nature. We see it in the story of Jonah, where he's going to them and calling them towards repentance. And even as we look in the New Testament, as Jesus is talking to churches in Revelations, calling them towards particular churches towards repentance. And so in that we can often, especially in our American culture, look at our faith as individualized, but there is something as corporate responsibility as we're called a body. And so in that, I think we do have, and it's depending case by case on it, of towards repentance. And I even think as we're talking about this topic of systemic racism, often when we think of systems, we think of our organization A, so fill in whether it's a church and they have some rules or regulations that are obviously racist, whether it's overt or um, in some other way racist. I think that's unhelpful at times because we can say, all right, the law is not racist, therefore it's not systemically or it's not racism is pervasive, but often it's just cultures or attitudes or mindsets that are passed down from one to another, whether that's we look at kind of what you were, what you were getting at a minute ago when a prosecutor can look at and say, all right, he has dreads. I associate black people with dreads as criminal thugs, fill in the blank thing. Therefore, he must be guilty or it's going to be easy to prosecute him, even though that's not written down in the law. Those who have dreads are going to be easier to prosecute. And so I think that same thing- And even though stuff like that is like the opposite is written in the law. Like you can't just base it off emotion or what it looks like. And it's, but that type of stuff doesn't actually help when it comes down to it, I don't think. But what what do you think, Sarah, about corporate repentance? I wrote with exclamation point, no, I really truly don't feel like that is necessary. I mean, then I would think it would be- basis on the individual. If that person was racist, obviously, mm-hmm. yes. But as a whole church, I don't personally. Yeah. I, I struggle with and take issue with having to repent for anybody else's sins yeah. personally. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, pastors in the room, but I'm not apologizing for my grandfather's transgressions, whether he cheated on my grandma or said something racist to somebody else or when not, not none of those things happen that, that I'm aware of. But like, I don't, I'm not apologizing for my dad's sins. I'm not, I mean, I I just, that to me is, is difficult. Like racism is a sin. Racists are sinful, but like, I don't, I just don't get the corporate repentance. I don't get what that does to me. It seems like hypocrisy and just moral posturing and trying to act like I'm not racist, but I am so not racist that I'm going to apologize for these other racists because I feel so bad about what they did, even though I never did it, but I'm going to apologize for it. I don't understand that. To me, it's not genuine. So that's couple, my issue. A couple things. One, to your earlier statement, that is insufficient in my mind 
when you said that you know prosecutors and you've seen this in the courtroom, that if, if I'm honest and from the more conservative side of thinking, you said what convinces it, it's data. Like that's what it has to be. And there's data on both sides. That's like the they, problem. They use all their statistics. Every study, you can find one study that says the literal exact opposite exactly. of what this study says. Exactly. And I've seen those. So I've read those. But to me, because I have friends who are in the judicial system who go, there's absolutely no systemic racism in the judicial system. Like they're telling me that. I trust them. They're strong believers. And I'm going, okay. And now here I've got Pete, who's like a very close friend who's telling me there is. And so they're going based on their experience and their observations. And so for me, I have to, I have to set aside. And I think this would be the argument on both sides, but particularly I run in the more conservative circles. I think that's no secret that you have to prove this statistically, data-wise, research it has to show me that. And like you said, there's there's always a bias in research, even like they just collect the data they want to collect mm -hmm. and they and that's how they explain things. And so my conservative friends are like, look at this data right here. And then my more liberal friends are like, look at this research on this side of things. And so that's why I come down to an inconclusive position on this at times, because I trust you. I also trust these who I will not name who are saying we're here. We see it every day. We're in law enforcement or we're in the courtroom mm -hmm. and it is not there when it comes to corporate repentance. I agree with Deshaun that corporate repentance should take place if there is a culture that has accepted sin within the church, even if, even if the, even if not everyone has, but you say, let's say it's a church of a hundred and it is known, it is accepted, it is embraced, it's allowed, it's permitted to exist within the church and animosity or hatred toward a group of people specifically based on the color of their skin, then there should be a corporate repentance. I think that's what you see in the nation of Israel. Like if our church stood for that. Yes. Right. I think, I think like, so I would say Westboro Baptist needs to repent sure. corporately, gotcha. collectively of their hate filled stance. Even if somebody specifically in the church didn't have anything to exactly. do with it. Exactly. Okay. That they're, they're knowingly going to a church, even if they don't affirm that. I got you. They're knowingly going and participating in a church that has taken a position of hate. Mm -hmm. And so with the nation of Israel uh, or with, the Ninevites, uh, or with um, what was the New Testament example you used, Deshaun? Um, I used the one from Revelations with Jesus talking to the to particular the churches. churches. Yeah. So it would seem with the church of Pergamum or Smyrna or Laodicea that that is a cultural mindset right. that has permeated the church. And we know it's true because Jesus is saying it's true, not just because society and culture is saying it's true. And so then the church should repent. If, if that is if that is the case, the Israelites should repent because they have accepted the bales, even though not every single Israelite has, the majority of them have, and they've they've submitted themselves to this cultural mentality. So if a my my position would be if a church has embraced racism as a way of life that they demean or disrespect or marginalize or um refuse to serve those of a different color or, or nationality or race, whatever it might be then that church needs to collectively repent. I strongly oppose this, this no ridiculous, yeah. this ridiculousness that has good. been seen, if I'm honest, and I know Pete's going to be upset about this, the ridiculousness that has saturated Acts 29, Gospel Coalition, and so many Christian leaders in, in the last year, that we just need to go out there and repent for sins that we had no part of, that we never ascribed to, that we never affirmed, that we've always stood in opposition to, like that is ridiculous. And there have been those within our church, I'll just be honest, most of them are not with us any longer because they have said, we as leaders, we as a church need to repent. And we as elders of our church have said, we have always stood vehemently against racism. Deshaun, I want to speak for you or for Sarah, but you have told me in the past, you've never seen any sign of that here at Building 28. And 
like to me, I get passionate about this and emotional about this because I think sin is, is incredibly disruptive and destructive to the lives of believers in the life of the church. And if a Christian, I would go so far as to say a Christian who just fully embraces racism is probably not a Christian. Like, I mean, yeah. that's, that's just, to me, uh, you might struggle with racism like you struggle with any other sin, but if you're just like, I'm I'm cool with this, like I'm cool with with saying racist things about Asians or about Hispanics or about African-Americans or whoever it might be, or about whites for that matter, like that is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of humility and it needs to be repented of. But to just assume and ascribe sin and and for us as the as the people of God who are called to boldness and courage and conviction to just kind of kowtow to this and go, oh yeah, like uh, I'll repent for something I'm not even aware of, I've never done. That is not biblical. It's not standing strong in the faith. And it's not making a clear distinction between righteousness and unrighteousness. And I actually want to add on to the, with the corporate repentance, because it's something that depending on your liturgy and your church, it's something that's done normally. So after a sermon is preaching, there's a time of reflection and repentance of whatever that topic is, especially as we're going through like the seven deadly right now. And as we're talking about gluttony. And so though every single person may not experience it the same way, but as there's a recognition that our God, I have fallen out of line yeah. when it comes to this particular sin, sure. I should. And that, and that's what I mean more so when I'm talking about on racism, if there's something spoken and we're talking about it and there's a recognition of, all right, in my own heart, I have, I have felt some way about a particular race or ethnicity. And so that need for repentance amongst us as a group of taking that time. So that, that's more so what I'm getting at, not just a cross the board. If you're white, you have to repent. As opposed to just doing it because everybody's doing it. That's yeah. what it just feels yeah. like. And I guess when I said my no, I'm not fully educated on these churches that are standing for that. And so I was speaking on behalf of ours. And I even wrote like, Aaron, I think you did an awesome job here um, listening to others and just responding biblically, like for what we believe in. And I think that a lot of Christian leaders are getting it wrong, like Aaron said, and just in the moment trying to make other people happy or say things that make them seem I think they're doing it like with they're coming at it with the right like goal and trying to be gentle and and empathetic and sympathetic and show and the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. No 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 I mean that legitimately they want to show that I can in my empathy I am I am aware that there's something going on because because we're all aware that there's there were things that happened in our country in the past that were not okay even as recently as 50 years ago that were not okay there are probably still things going on today we know individually there are things going on today like you look anywhere you'll mm -hmm. see individual racism like so and that's not right and the church should vehemently stand against that and so what happens is there's this this awakened i mean it's called woke and i don't want to discredit that but the idea of i've been awakened to a reality that there is atrocity and injustice that's committed but then what happens is there's a quick line drawn to it. It must be pervasive. It must be systemic. It must have saturated the church. Instead of just being able to land objectively on, yes, it exists. It's here. And let's address that instead of just assume that everyone is, Everything. you know, a racist now. And every church has bought into racist systems. And, and that has been very unhelpful because it's muddied the waters a lot in my mind. It is, it is it has offloaded the guilt of people who are legitimately racist. And yeah, now I agree. Everyone's that's, just racist. Like, okay, like I, I yeah, but that's the problem. Here. And that's the hard thing about it where I disagree with the agenda of how to fix it, I guess, is the answer. And there, it's I read things like you can love minorities, be there for them, support them, help them, you know, whatever it is. But you're still part of the problem. You you are part of the problem because of the way you vote. 
You're a part of the problem because of your religion. You're a part of the problem because of your job. You're a part of the problem because of the school your kids go to. Um, you're a part of the problem because of how much money you make. And it's just like, you lost me. Like you lost me on that because how is that, how is that, how does that make any sense as to like systemic racism, as opposed to like, we're, it's trying to be fixed over time. We're doing things like you personally can do a lot, right? Like, don't be a racist. You, you have certain systems and institutions that you're in charge of, whether you're, whatever your job may be as a teacher, as a pastor, as a lawyer, as a boss with employees, like there are ways you can make sure those systems aren't racist. Right. And there's, there's, you also have kids like not everybody, but we all have kids that we can teach and bring up and make sure they're doing things the right way and they see the world the right way and not a systemically racist way. But like to me, part of the part of the fix is what? Like don't go to school or I, I just don't understand. It's it's one of the things that was in the beginning, one of the problems one of these Harvard professors had with the definitions, like there's no way to fix it. There's no way to to prove it or disprove it. So as a theory, it's just a conspiracy. It's not actually something that's helpful. And to where I look at it as something that can be helpful is you can call it systemic, but it only gets fixed on a personal level. Like each person needs to make sure that the way that they're acting is appropriate. And giving all your money away is not going to fix that, you know, because there's still going to be systems in place, still going to be people that are problems. So that's my problem is just the, the mountain that it seems like the media wants to create that is insurmountable and will never be taken. So we have to go so far, farther than we ever thought was possible and still won't get there, but that's still what we have to do or else we're not doing enough. Like that type of stuff is just a bad precedent to set for, set for any problem. All right, so that's that's those are things that I think would help personally. What do you guys think are as Christians? And that's the other thing is, my vote means I'm racist, my religion means I'm racist, you know, whatever, I'm all part of the problem because of these things. Well, to anybody listening, you know, from our perspective, we're Christians first before anything. That's our identity in Christ. Skin color, politics, job, whatever aside, I'm never going to apologize for that. Like, and that's my vote. I try to line up as much as I can with my religion, basically. Right or wrong, people agree with me or not. Not my pocketbook, not anything else, but my religion. So when you're talking about some solutions that we can try to have is this as Christians first, what are some solutions you think can happen maybe systemically on a political level, whatever it may be, or just personally? So I, th I think the first one is, as you said, be Christians. And so that having that primary identity of as a believer and our other identities being filtered through that instead of the reverse. So instead of being black, white, whatever other race and filtering um, our Christianity through that, doing the opposite, our Christianity being what we filter through. And so through that, I would then say some ways that we can be more helpful is by, for example, listening to leaders and preachers from different ethnic backgrounds. And so seeing not just in a sense of, all right, this person's black or this person's white or whatever it may be, but being able to hear from whoever's preaching truth, whoever's teaching the gospel, teaching solid theology, being able to hear and learn from them. And then another one would be as we serve in different kinds of communities is not just seeing ourselves as the ones who's going to help or save but also being able to partner and learn no matter what the race, ethnicity, or whatever it may be. And so I would say for us as believers is to not build up those barriers that Christ has already broken down and to use those as things to separate us. But in reality, to see that we can have diversity, um, we can have unity even in the midst of that. And so that's one thing I would say. Is would just, you also, I mean, something that you and I have talked about, Sean, is the assumptions that people make. 
Yeah. Based on your gender, based on your race, based on ethnicity. They just assume that you are a certain way. I mean, would you, and it's, and you said it frustrates you. I think you even said it on the social yes. um, justice podcast. It, it frustrates you to, for somebody to look at you and be like, he's a black man. So X, X, X must, must be true. Mm -hmm. You know, like, would you say kind of, kind of getting rid of those assumptions would be healthy and helpful? Yeah. I, and I think that's the problem with racism is mm -hmm. that we assume because somebody's race, therefore they are, and it would be a superiority, but just in general, I think those are problematic because even as we were talking about with people assume black people are fill in the blank way. So if you do something that's not quote unquote black, therefore you're not black anymore. And black, at least the way we socially define it is based off our skin color. And so things along those lines that determine either our personality, the things that we enjoy or whatever it may be, if we determine those purely just based upon race, then it's going to become problematic. And so instead of looking at me as, all right, Deshaun, yes, he's black, but he may enjoy Star Wars. He may enjoy things that aren't normally quote unquote black. <laughs> yeah. So no, but that's, but that's honestly yeah. how it is. And so I've had to deal with that because of, I grew up in a lot of different situations. So I grew up in predominantly white areas, grew up in where it was nothing but black or Hispanic people. And so because of being in both of those, there's things that carry over for me in both sides of that I've learned from different cultures and things along that lines. And people will automatically assume because I'm black, therefore I have to like and talk and act in a particular way. And I think it's just, it's frustrating, annoying. And as you can say, uh, but I can go on a tangent yeah, on that Yeah, culture one. Yeah. is a weird thing because if you try to think about what is culture, like, is it based on skin color? Is it based on where you grew up? Is it based, I mean, to me, it almost seems like if I think about how I act, the music that I listen to, sports, movies, whatever, it was always like my friends, mm -hmm. you know, like your friends group. So is that your culture? Just like whoever happened to be your friend group at the time? Because that controls so much of what you think and do, like which girls you think are pretty in high school or which sport you want to play. It's all, and you you have some kids who like really love Star Wars or really like sports that you hate or movies that you hate. And it really just comes down to, I think so much of like your friend group, but is that culture? And is that something that has to do with race? Like, like you're saying, is that how it's supposed to be where all black people like a certain kind of movie and, and white people don't like that movie? I mean, it's obviously not true with sports, right? I mean like that barriers gone or, or difference or whatever. I, I just, that, that's the type of stuff I don't understand. And so is that, is that part of systemic racism, the culture and how do you go about trying to fix that? It's a good question. I, I was actually thinking of, there was a commercial recently, I think for Indeed or something, and basis on, it was a black woman, her name, she's claiming she can't get hired somewhere. Like that to me just seems ridiculous, but I don't know. Is that reality for- They say it is. I mean, there are studies that say yeah. if you have a black sounding name, you are less likely to get interviews than if you have a white sounding name. But isn't like, that racism right there? For sure that's yeah. racism. Yeah. But but how do you fix that? Right. The only way I know to fix that is when I get a resume, I don't care what the right. name says at the top. Yeah. Like that's the only way I know how to fix that. I can't like go to like Washington can't fix that. Right. You know, like to say you can't discriminate, like we've handled some discrimination cases and some have been based on race. It is so hard to prove. So Washington creates these rules that are so easy to have pretexts for, which pretext is a fake reason to fire someone or not hire them that seems legitimate, but it's really based on a on a on an illegal reason. So it's like, I didn't hire Deshaun because he didn't have enough education that I liked. Or I didn't hire Deshaun because, you know, we we had enough people that had his skill set. How do you ever prove it's like, mm -hmm. no, you didn't hire Deshaun because of his race? It's so hard to prove. And really the only successful cases we have is if there's like 
a lot of testimony to that racial racial comments were made or an email or text message or something in writing. It is so hard to prove that stuff like with, with people just based off of their name. So that's why Washington can't fix these problems, in my opinion. Like it has to be on a more personal, individual level of just realizing that what a person's name doesn't matter, what they look like doesn't matter, you know, that type of stuff, you know, and it really... The culture thing to me is just such a hard thing to navigate and to fix. You can't force that fix. Like upbringing for you, what was core value in your family? Because I feel like we're brought up the same way. So family-wise, which is a whole nother thing, is I'm more raised as a Jamaican than I am as a Black American. Yes. So for me, it's more Caribbean style. And so we had a, I was very different than the other Black kids that I knew. But what was like huge in your family like for us oh. education like oh yeah that was education respect pounded. elders right respectable like all those different things were heavy in for us so then the people that didn't fully you know like that wasn't priority is that a cultural difference because i remember getting questioned what are you because of the way we speak talk <laughs> like what does that even mean but you're acting white this is the type of stuff that makes it so hard yeah. too because when we talk about race or minorities it's not all one thing. They always like to say we're not a monolith, right? And and there would be plenty of people based on their vote and based on their religion and based on their job that are minorities that people would say are racist and mm -hmm. part of the systemically racist problem. That's hard for me. It's like it's it's hard to to try to figure out how we go about fixing it. And I am yeah. um, a, a perpetual problem solver and trying to, and the only way I can think of problems is with ways to fix them. So you know, I've been told I just don't understand and I'm not going to understand. So that also is frustrating to me to think like, okay, so this is supposed to be something really important to me that I should care about, think about and and try to work on, but I'm never going to understand right. and never be able to do anything to help the problem. So that's just hard for me. That may be just a personal issue for me, but I do try, you know, I do try in, in the ways that I can, the systems I control, the people I control, when I say control mold, like my kids and my family, like I try to do it the right way, you know, and I think that's all we can really do. Like, I can't force you to be a certain way. I can't force you to corporate repentance or whatever. I don't, I would never try to do that. I don't understand how that helps anything to try to force um, your way onto other people. Because like I've already said, laws in place and systems that they try to do from Washington are so easily faked or, you know, just totally disregarded that that's not the way to fix it. I'm pretty convinced of that, but you know, I don't know. I do. I think it's a, I think it's a hard discussion to have. I do think that there are systems that make it harder for certain races than others. I do. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but that's how I, that's from what I see and what I think if I was going to put myself in somebody else's shoes, I do think certain things would be harder um, for whatever reason. But just if I, just because I have a different color skin, then there's a whole spectrum of areas of other barriers you can have. And that's some of the things they talked about too, is like, just because you're white doesn't mean you're not going to have other barriers or just because you're black doesn't mean you're going to have this barrier and not that one. But you but you start, like Deshaun said, 40 yards behind on a 100 yard dash. So if you're both disabled, the disabled black person's still 40, 40 yards behind the disabled white person. So it's just that's the type of stuff to me that's very you know hard to wrap your mind around and see what the fix is to the issue. But yeah. I don't think we're going to fix it on the podcast. It's more of, you know, how should Christians act? I think we should. Christians I think we should. Even though this is a hard conversation. And it is difficult. And I think we need to be respectful of, of minority friends that they're probably exhausted talking about this I a agree. lot of times. You know, like that's the last thing they want to talk about now. Some some of them not, but a lot of them, <laughs> I, I know Sean's been like, I'm so tired of talking about this stuff. Um, but at the same time, when they do want to talk about it, I think, I think there's a difference. And I think we talked about this on the first BLM episode, if people can make it through that one. But 
there's a difference between empathizing, which I think we should do. Mm-hmm. If someone was treated bad by a racist cop, then we should empathize. If Sarah's pulled over and she or she's she's discriminated based on the color of her skin, like or even feels that way, like there's an empathy that's there without an affirmation that this must be true of an entire organization or or institution. I don't think we should be so quick to to judge that. And so what's what's become easy is that we either jump to that conclusion that it has to be true of like the entire governmental structure, police department, or whatever, or we jump to just dismissing it as you're just a head case who like thinks that somebody treated you bad because of the color of your skin. And I think there's a there's a good middle ground that we can arrive in where we do empathize with that, where we do truly, I know it's a word that's been abused and misused, but we do lament real injustice, biblical injustice that has taken place, that there is racism that does persist in our country, at least individual, if not systemic, and seek ways to rectify this without going the full, swallowing a full narrative. Where that, everybody's racist, yes. all cops are racist, all Republicans are racist, all Christians are racist, all white people are racist. Like to me, that's just, yes. how do you ever get there? Right. Like, I don't understand how you ever get there. It doesn't make logical sense. And is and there's no solution to it. Right. Like there's no, you're, you're always going to be that because you are what you are. Um, that That's not biblical and that's not helpful. So I don't know, Sarah. Well, only because I was thinking of, I, we do wine night with our neighbors, but we were just talking about um, Angie, whose son is black. She truly believes he will not be treated different because of the color of his skin. And I'm like, eh, but he might, he might definitely run into instances, but she's like, oh, I'm raising all of my kids to be the same way. Um, but I don't know. So like, is for it s- naive for me to think that Augustine, who is my youngest, who is half black, will have obstacles and benefits that my other to two kids who are white won't have. Well, that's her thinking I, I too. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, right. I think, so. I think you're right. I would say yeah. yeah. I think so. Because I, I feel like, and I've said this, and I'm not I'm not trying to be dismissive or, or callous. I feel like he will certainly be looked at negatively by some people because racism. Uh, yeah. yeah, because racism exists. Yeah, correct. He'll also because of affirmative action, be able to get into schools. Potentially, we know that um, here here even in Pinellas County in public schools uh, and into universities. Because he's minority. And so there there seems like there are advantages and there are certainly disadvantages to be to have a certain ethnicity. Are those the systems? I don't know. I don't know. Are those the systems put in place? That's why I thought on the advantage side of it. Yeah. From like I said with affirmative action, it's regarded as trying to correct or to stabilize or equal, make it equal. But there are some advantages. Like even I remember as I was considering coming out here, I was looking at I think it was Bethlehem, I forgot whatever, um, John Piper, the school at Bethlehem Baptist, and they have scholarships for black people. Yes. And I was like, hey, there might be something for me to look into. I mean, did and the so thought ever like, cross your mind like when Building 28? I think it did because I think we talked about it. when we're looking to hire you, hey, is this just because I'm black? Because oh, yeah. there was such we, tokenism that's existed in the like church. I feel like that with I'll, teaching. I'm the yeah. token like colored teacher. There's nobody else that's, you know. So I've, I've definitely had to deal with it, even from our, with a lot of church, which it wasn't, actually no, yeah, it was predominantly white, but one of the conversations we had and one of the things I actually had to me and Tim talked about funny as you didn't Tim, but um, we had talked about was because he said something on the lines of like are changing people's perspective because we are talking about, I was talking about one of the guys who just said something was kind of off the wall and I was like that's not my responsibility is to change either white people who are racist or their perspective of a more quote unquote respectable black person and so that's some of the stuff I have to deal with is more of 
oh, well, you talk in a particular way or you carry yourself or you do particular things like that. And so I do have to, it's one thing I have to think about, but for me personally, it doesn't overwhelm me to the point where I feel like every single way I'm going to go, oh, I'm disadvantaged because I'm black. I just, we weren't raised like that. I didn't yeah. grow up with that mindset. And so it's hard for me to enter fully into that kind of thought process. I know that it affects things, but I don't feel any sense of like, oh, because I'm black, therefore ain't no hope, ain't so, no chance. But I will say this, when we were interviewing you in the process, yeah, the most important things to us were... Because you and Bree just came here and visited on yeah. a Thursday night and worshiped with us. And you stuck around after and you talked to everybody. And to me, and once again, this might be me, very naive, whatever. It mm -hmm. wasn't that a black man was sticking around talking to people, even though I did see the color of your skin. You know, not in a bad way, but like I saw that he's a black man. Like you I acknowledge that. Like you, you know, acknowledge I'm a white man. <laughs> and so when we started then talking to you a few months later about potentially coming here, there were several predominant perks that we looked at. He's theologically aligned with where we are. He shepherds people well. Um, his wife is sweet. Uh, he has experience in the church. Like there were certain things that we looked at. He'd be good for our youth. But we also secondarily said, and with everything that's going on in our culture today, mm -hmm. he'd be able, because he's a black man, to speak at times into situations that we haven't been able to speak into. Yeah. And that might be the wrong way of going about that, but it felt like the wise, prudent way. It wasn't that we're going to give him this job because primarily he's a black man and, and you know, that tokenism. But you miss out. If you don't have diversity, you do miss out. Yes. Like I, sure. the, the whole like jokes about defer diversity and all this stuff and trying to force it and whatever, like any business, any church, anyone that's trying to reach anyone, like diversity is good. Diver we talked about it last time with Keith and Don having elders with diverse thoughts, yeah. like that's good. Obviously not theologically, you know, when you're talking about a church, but like diversity is good, like different backgrounds, different thought processes, that stuff's good. I don't know why that's, why that would be a problem to say it's good. Now, if the only reason you hire somebody is because the color of their skin yeah. and making them a token, whatever, then obviously that's problematic. But if he checks all of the big boxes and adds diversity, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't. And I'm, I'm over the vein that each and every single one of us have particular things about us that are help us connect to others. Right. Yes. So even when I use like athletics, that's something that I can use. That Aaron right? can't. I mean, he just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just. It was, it was, I thought. I thought. I thought you were giving me that alley oop. Sorry. Yeah. Just... No, but that's the one. Even last night we played some basketball. But things like that, I think about using things that God has given. <laughs> And it was awesome having you on the podcast today, Sarah <laughs> and Deshaun. I'm glad we could have some laughs. And uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in. If this ever airs, oh, it's yep, been great. That was fun, guys. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about the show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.